We're going to continue our series uh, that we started last week for the month of uh, thank month of Thanksgiving. <laughs> By the way, there is Thanksgiving coming up with all the Christmas stuff going on. There still is Thanksgiving. And yes, it is the same time as normal. And uh, it is November, the month of November. That's it. Those of you online, thank you for joining us. It is November and this series is the, our November series called There Is Hope. Because we live in a world where it's easy to look outside, to look on TV, to look at our own situation and just be very discouraged. But you're here today and you're going to hear that there is hope. Hope in Christ, hope in life, and also hope for your future. So, speaking of future, what do you think about, or what, what comes to your mind, or maybe your emotions, when you think about the future? Maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's the rest of the year, maybe it's months, years down the road. What, what, comes, what, what thoughts or feelings do you have? Do you have anticipation? Do you have excitement? Do you like, yes, I can't wait until... Or maybe you're like, oh, man, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Everything looks so gloomy, so bleak, so discouraging. And, and you have maybe this feeling of hopelessness, of despair. You're not sure what's going to happen. Or maybe, maybe you, you even are to the point where you don't even like to go to bed to, in the evening because you know you're going to have to give up, get up tomorrow morning and face that world again i know what that's like back when i was 15 years old our family we lived in arcadia for about a year and a half we helped plant a church over there and our last summer that we were there i was 15 and i had a job this job was uh, at a citrus nursery now it wasn't your typical nursery it was basically two big open fields without any shade trees and two five-acre, there's it was ten acres altogether. You had five acres here, five acres here, and it they had little citrus trees. And one of them, the the one the one five-acre field, the trees were only about this tall. They're basically stems. And then then the second one, the trees are a little bit taller and a little bit harder to uh, to get in between. But the thing was, here's my job. The farmer who owned it, he could take a tractor down the rows and he could, you know, dig up the weeds that were in the walkway, in the, in the middle. But about this much distance on either side of the stem, the tree, he couldn't get. So that was my job. I had to pick all the little weeds that were within this range of every row, this five acres when I was done over here, then I went over to this on my hands and knees, squatted, whatever it took. It was all by hand. And not only did I have to pick all the little weeds, but I had to tear all the little, the little branches that were starting to grow. You know, all the little buds that were starting to blossom on the side. And so every day I'd be on this field. It'd take me about a week on this field. Then I'd go over to this field another week. Then I'd go back to this field because the weeds were growing again. So I'd go back and forth. I hated it. It was miserable. Out in the hot sun, June, July, and part of August in Florida, in the middle of the state. We didn't have the sea breezes like you do here. And I remember very clearly, I used to pray for rain every day. And lots of it, because I could go home. You know? <laughs> 
for $1.75 an hour, it was worth going home. Okay? And, and there's a cloud, you know, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, clouds would show up. And I go, there it is. This could be it. This could be my storm and my ticket home, right? But I remember very clearly, I, I, I love 4.30, get off of work, ride my motorcycle home. But then I remember that change of feeling from joy of being done to having to go to bed at night knowing that the next morning I'd have to go do it all over again. It was to, I literally dreaded going to bed at night knowing what was the next day. Thinking about that, how about some of us? You know, some of us might be to the point of life where we sort of dread going to bed because we know we're going to have to wake up to a day, to a world that probably isn't going to be any better than today was. And so why even bother, right? Well, the thing is this. Today we're going to talk about the fact that no matter where you are in life, you can have this great hope because you have a great God who has great plans and a great future for you. Amen? We don't have to be in that hopelessness. Here's what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you, this is your favorite verse. This is God speaking, and he says to the children of Israel, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope, a future, and a hope. Now, we know this was God with a specific word for his people because he was restoring them. But it is also a picture of how God thinks about you. Same thing. When he thinks about you, he says, you know, I have a hope, I have a future, and it's all good for each one of us. You could put your name in that verse, and that would be God's desire and hope for you. And you're thinking, man, that sounds awesome, but I don't know that I've ever experienced that stuff yet. And one of the reasons we don't have that kind of a, that good hope in a future is because some of the barriers we face. Some of the things that are in the way of us having that. And so I wrote some of these in your notes. And so I want you to fill these in this morning. One of the barriers that we face for us not having that kind of hope in the future is fear. Okay? That, that's the first one there. Sometimes just fear. We fear failure. We just live in fear of failure. Maybe fear of even success. Fear of the unknown. And so what happens is, if we, if we have this constant sort of feeling of fear, what happens is, it, it like paralyzes us. And because we're so afraid, we don't do anything. Because if I do something, I might fail. Or what if, I don't know what the consequences, I don't know what the outcome's going to be, so I'm not going to do anything. And so that's where we live. And, and, and because we live with fear that has paralyzed us, we don't have hope. <laughs> There's nothing good for us to look forward to in the future because I'm stuck in my situation right now. Another one is despair. Sometimes we look at the future and we just have this hopeless despair as if, can anything good happen? I mean, we're, we're like, if the future is anything like my past, no thanks. <laughs> I don't even want to go there, right? Another one's insecurity. Insecurity basically says, what if? 
And all of our what ifs usually go to the negative side. What if I do that? Well, what, what if this happens? Well, what if that happens? And none of it's good. So I just don't do anything. What if, what if <laughs> we turn our what ifs into what if? <laughs> what if something good happens? I mean, what if you do something? You try something. You step out in faith and something really good happens instead of the really bad that you think is going to happen. Insecurity just stops us and keeps us from even thinking about the future with hope. Then the last one is the past. Specifically, our past. In other words, what, we experience, what we've experienced in the past, we often expect for the future. Like it isn't going to change. Like there's no hope because, <laughs> well, that's how it's been. I'm sure that's how it's always going to be. And the thing is, you will never be able to look to the future with hope until you get past your past. And you will not get past your past until you deal with it. You might have to face it. You might have to talk about it. You might have to forgive somebody. You may have to get healing for it. I, I don't know. We all have something, and there's different ways for us to get past it. But if you're going to look to the future with hope, you have to deal with what you've gone through in the past that is holding you in the present so you can't even think with hope about the future. I know that's a mouthful, but it's true. <laughs> Trust me. So how do I do it? How do I have and think about, how can I have this hope for a future? Okay, I've got three things that we can grab a hold of today uh, that will begin to give us, put us on the track for a hopeful future. Number one is this, write this in your notes, is that I need to be content with what God has already provided. I need to be content. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, many of you have read this already, you've heard this, but here's what he says. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Then he goes to explain. He says, I know what it is to be in need. Okay, when I need things. I don't have everything I need, but I, and I need things. I know, what it's, I know what it is to be there. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So Paul is simply saying, look, I have learned. That word learned is very important because naturally we are not content people, right? We always want more. No matter how we, much we have, we want more. But Paul says, look, I've been in situations where I couldn't hardly pay the bills. I could hardly eat. I couldn't afford money for food. I couldn't afford to make the mortgage payment, but I've been content. But he also said, I know what it's like to have a lot. We're to have a lot of money in the bank and a lot, of, a lot of food and a lot of resources around. I know what that's like, and I've learned to be content in that situation. That's just as important to learn that one as well. And he says, no matter what, I've learned this. This is big. This is huge. Because learning to be content in every situation we're in means that I believe in God 
and I'm trusting him to keep his promise to provide for my needs. So if we flip that around, let me just flip that whole thing around a little bit. If you find yourself struggling to be content, struggling to feel as if you have enough for the moment, struggling as if, God, where are you? Why are you leaving me like this? And you're worried and you're stressed out. And you're, God, I don't have enough. What am I going to do? And you can't sleep at night. One reason. You're not trusting God. Enough to believe that he's going to provide everything you need. Now here's the thing. (laughs) Sometimes he makes you sweat it out a little. I know that. But he always comes through. The sooner you learn that, the sooner you learn that you can be okay with and content because God's going to come through, the sooner you will learn that God's got it all under control. And I can look for the future with a good attitude, with a positive attitude. But as humans, we're never satisfied with what we have, right? We're always wanting more. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. This is Solomon, considered one of the wealthiest, wisest human beings to ever be on the planet. And he writes this. He says, but I say it is better to be content with what little you have. Otherwise, you will always be struggling for more. And that is like chasing the wind. I think we probably all at some point said something like, if I just had more this or if I just had right we fill in the blank I would be so much happier now here's the thing you probably will be if there's something you really really want and you've been desiring it you've been wanting it and the moment you get it there is this sense of happiness for a little while but then what happens you get a little dissatisfied and you want what? More. <laughs> Warren Buffett once was asked the question, if you know Warren Buffett, billionaire. Somebody asked him, well, how much is enough? As in, I think you got plenty, right? How much is enough? He said, just a little more. That's our human nature. That's why learning to be content is such a big deal because we're not usually. That's not a natural response. For, many, for most of us, we could have a whole lot. We could have a just, you know, we could have a whole yard full of toys. We could have a bank account full of funds. We could have everything you could ever want and more. But there's something inside of us, here and in here, that's always saying, Yeah, but you could have a little more. And we're like, Cool, I want more. But here's the thing. If you're going to face the future with any kind of hope, you're going to have to learn to be content with today. If you're not content with today, the future is not going to make you more content. More is not going to make you more content. We need to learn that kind of, uh, just that kind of attitude. And here's the thing. Learning to be content with what we have and where we are doesn't mean that we can't have more and it can't be better. 
It doesn't mean that if, if you're really struggling with, with provision, and if you're really struggling because you're in a very difficult situation, it, it doesn't mean, okay, well, I'm just going to have to live with this the rest of my life, and so I'm going to be content. No, that's not content. <laughs> that's grouchy. Okay? Content. True contentment is when you say, you know what? God, I don't have a whole lot. I'm not even sure where it's all going to come from that I need right now. And God, I'm in a pretty difficult situation at work, in my relationships, in my marriage, in my family. I just, I don't know what to do. But God, I know you do. So I'm putting all of this into your hands because you're my provider. You know what happens? The minute you learn to trust God with what you don't have and what you need, you know what he does? He begins to provide you with the more that you need to do what he's called you to do. But until you learn to do that, you will never, you will never move into the things that he has for you. Proverbs 19 says this, and Proverbs 14 as well. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouchable by trouble. A relaxed attitude lengthens life. Jealousy rots it away. The fear of the Lord. When you fear the Lord, you put your hope. doesn't mean being afraid. It means you love the Lord. You trust the Lord. You honor the Lord. You respect the Lord. When you do that, it says you'll be content and you will be untouched by trouble. Wouldn't that be cool? That no matter what comes your way, it's not going to touch you or affect you. That's what it's talking about. Okay, number two. Second thing we need to grab a hold of is I need to have courage in God's strength. Now we put on there God's strength because that's the important part of it. I need to have courage in God's. See, the thing is this. When we think about courage sometimes, and we want it, <laughs> we look in the mirror and, and we observe what we see. We observe the talents, or lack of, the skills, the opportunities, the situation in life, and we go, man, I want to be courageous, but <laughs> look at me. There's not a whole lot to be courageous about there. I don't have much to offer. That's why the point is I need to have courage in God's strength. And not in my own. Here's what it says in Joshua. This is what the Lord's instructions to Joshua, who had just taken over for Moses, about to enter the promised land. Here's what he says. It says, be strong and courageous, for you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Obey all the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them, and you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. Now, here, and then he goes on. Now, he had already said, be strong and courageous twice. And so he's like, in case you thought those were only a suggestion... He says this, I command you. In other words, you better do this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Here's the reason you can. He says, for the Lord your God is with you 
wherever you go. Being a spiritual wimp is not God's plan for your life at all. That's not his purpose. That's not his will for your life. That's why he wants you to be courageous. Because God promises to give you the strength that you need when you trust him. Now, here's the thing. I, I want This is a point, if you remember nothing else from today, he, here it is. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has already, because of his presence in you, He's already given you all of his power. He's holding nothing back. Everything you need in life, the power, the ability, the hope, the love, everything, you already have it. The reason many of us don't know that is because we've never done anything that requires it. It's not until you know the power of God in your life that you know that you have it. If everything you've done in life, it's on your own power, everything I just said to you, you're going, really? <laughs> Is that so? I tr I, I, trust me. The moment you step out in faith and you begin doing what God has asked you to do, and even in your own mind, in your own heart, you're going, I don't know if I can do this. I guarantee you, or your money back, I'm not sure. Um, God's power will come through to do everything God has called you to do. But you don't know that if you've never done that. Be courageous. It's like the story of David and Goliath. Most of us know this. 14-year-old kid, I won't give you all the details. 14-year-old kid who loved God, who trusted God, goes up against a 9-foot, 6-inch giant, enemy giant, who has all the full armor and just, you know, mean, bad-mouthing David, bad-mouthing the Lord. And David says, you're not getting away with that. He grabs a couple stones. He's got a sling, has no other armor. <laughs> he runs at the giant, swinging his sling, and in one swoop, lets it, get, lets it go. One stone catches that giant between the eyes, kills him, and he drops dead instantly. David said, I, you might have the sword, you might have the spear, you might have the shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. You don't mess with him. And he did it. Your courage... To face everything in life that you need comes from the name of the Lord God Almighty. Not you. <laughs> it comes, but you choose to be courageous. That's why God said several times to Josh, be strong, be courageous, be strong. I mean, I mean it. <laughs> be strong and be courageous. Why don't we sometimes? Because we have fear. I put this in your notes just so you have it and remember it. You've heard this probably a hundred times. What is fear? Sort of the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real, right? And that, that's a lot of times what fear is. Because so many of the things that we fear are fear of the unknown. Things that we don't know. Matter of fact, studies tell us, experts, whoever they are, not sure how they study this, but they have. They would tell us that consistently 90% of the things that we fear in life 
never come true. So just find those 10% and then you're good. But so many of the things, we probably all have stories of it, right? We're very anxious, we're nervous, we're fearful about something, you know, we're afraid and we don't want to do it. But then when we do it, we go, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. I don't know what I was so worried about or fearful about. But when we know something for certain, we're usually not afraid of it because we can deal with it. And when I think about that, I think about us in our relationship with God. The closer, the more intimate relationship you have with God, the more you hang out with God, the more you get to know God, it begins to remove the unknowns that we might have of God. And all of a sudden, when those unknowns become knowns of God that we're sure about, guess what? The fears in life begin to go away because we know how powerful and how awesome and how great God is. I have no reason to fear those other things. Are you with me on that? So one of the best things you can do is just get to know God better. And you'll realize how much of the things that we're stressed out and we're worried about, we're fearful in life about, God's already got them. But we need to discover that sometimes. Psalm 31 says this, So be strong and take courage, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Be strong and courageous. We can do that when we put our hope in the Lord. And it's not in our own abilities, but it's in who God's is. God's ability and his power, it says in Acts 27, 25. So take courage. For I believe God. And it will be just as he said. That's the kind of courage we have. If God said it, I believe it because he'll do it. So if we're going to have a hope for the future, we need to face it with courage and strength. That comes from putting our hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. Then number three, last one. I need to have confidence that God is in control. I need to be content. I need to have courage. And I need to be confident that God's in control. Philippians 1.6 says this, Paul says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now here's the good news. God isn't done with you. Did you know that? God isn't done with you. He's still at work in your life. He's not, and he's not given up on you. Some of you are here this morning and you feel like giving up. Because you feel like there's no hope. And you're basing all of that on the past and on, on, on your situation and on your abilities and your resources for anything different to happen. But I, I just want you to know this. Even though you may have given up on you, God hasn't. And he never will. As long as you're breathing, God says, hey, wake up. we got some work to do. I'm not done with you. There is hope for something bigger and better in your life. Let's do this together. And I love for the fact that every one of us, we have potential. We have potential for something bigger and better. 
And no matter who you are, no matter what stage of life you are, your age, your situation, God's got so much more for you. He really does. You may think, well, you know, I'm just, as far as I know, I'm about done. <laughs> or I want to be done. But God's not. If you're breathing, God's got more things for you. And I love this verse. It's in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 9. Matter of fact, uh, I just, I'm, I'll let you in on something. I'm, I'm working on my, last couple of weeks, working on my series for the new year, January, February. And this theme's been coming up, and I wasn't quite sure, you know, how, which way to go with it, but I just felt it's been burning on my heart. And I, re I read this verse, and I already put it in here for this sermon, and, it, and, and here it is. It says, Dear friends, we are confident that you are meant for what? Better things. That's it. <laughs> so that's what, just to give you a heads up, come January, we're going to talk about better things that God has for every one of us. And it says, things that come with salvation. Here's what I want you to know this morning. Whatever situation in life you find yourself in, maybe it's awesome, maybe it's hopeless, God has better things for you. Don't give up. Don't give up on him. We need to have confidence that God's working everything out. You may look at your situation right now in life and it feels hopeless. It looks hopeless. What am I going to do? I mean, I'm just up against it. Is there any hope for me? We need to know that God's working it all out for your good. Every bit of it. Because Jesus said one time to his disciples, he says, look, in this world you will have what? Trouble. In other words, not everything in this life is going to work out the way you want it to work out. It's not. <laughs> if it is, I want to talk to you afterwards. What's the secret to that one, right? But here's the thing. Not everything has to work out the way you want it to. If you trust God, everything's going to work out the way he wants it to, and his way is so much better than yours. Trust me, it is. So to have confidence in the fact that everything I go through today, everything I go through tomorrow, this week, the future, as troubling as it may be, God is working it all out for my good. That's the kind of confidence that you can have. Now, let's bring it home. Maybe today you've lost your way. You're here and you say, you know, Pastor, I just don't know if I have much hope for my future, for my life. I don't have any vision. And for you, you're here today and you say, you know what, I know what you're saying, but everything looks pretty gloomy and pretty depressing about my future is maybe what you're thinking. And you're saying, well, when God says that he has a future, a good future of hope and good things for my life, you're saying, well, that must be for someone else because it's sure not happening here. 
Or maybe this morning you feel far away from God. Maybe you're like, you know, there was a point <laughs> where I was really, really in love with God. And we sort of had this connection. We had this relationship thing going. I was, and it was awesome. And I felt really close to God, but I don't know where he's at now. I'm not sure where he went. It didn't, I don't feel that anymore. Well, let me give you a little bit of encouragement. God's still there. He hadn't moved. So if you feel far away from God, there's only two options. Either he moved or you did, and he didn't. That just leaves one. <laughs> so God would say to every one of us this morning, come back. Just come back. I want this as much as you do is what God says. I want this close relationship with you as much as you do. But I'm not going to force it. It says in Hosea 12, verse 6, God is saying, so now come back to your God. Act on the principles of love and justice and always live in confident dependence on your God. So that's the invitation that God gives every one of us today. He says, come back and I'll give you hope. I'll give you that hope, that good hope for a future. Because he has our future in his hands. The question is, are you willing to trust him? And to put your life in his hands. It says in 1 Peter 2, anyone who trusts in the Lord will never be disappointed. Amen? I want to give you real briefly a glimpse of what it looks like when you do put your hope and your trust in the Lord. What your future, what things you can hope for looks like. It says in John 14, this is Jesus talking to his followers, his disciples, and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Then he says, and when I go, I'm coming back and I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you with me. Then in Revelation chapter 21, I didn't have room for the whole chapter, so I got bits and pieces of it. It says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will remove all of their sorrows. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for the old world and its evils are gone forever. Hallelujah. And it was filled with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious gem, crystal clear like jasper. No temple could be seen in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Then it says this, Only those whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life were 
there. That is a picture. That is an awesome, hopeful picture of the future for every one of us who said yes to Jesus. We said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. You rose again. You forgave me of my sins. And I put my hope and my trust in my life in your hands. That's what we have to look forward to, folks. And it's going to be the most amazing thing in the world. Until then, we can have the same kind of hope because God's with us now. Not just then. The same God that we get to spend heaven and eternity with is the same God who is here right now. You reach out and you just receive him.